0: On this episode of the Survival Dispatch podcast with Chris Heaven, I'm joined by the face of Survival Dispatch, Jason Sawyer, and we're going to be discussing prepping on a budget. Welcome to the podcast, Jason.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. Everybody's on a budget, right? I'm on a budget. I'm a frugal individual, and I don't like to spend money on things that I don't need. And I think that, that it's important for us to spend our hard-earned money wisely, would you agree?
0: Yeah. I mean, for those people who, who haven't caught some of your previous videos, uh, you know, on our channel, you've done some really interesting uh, content on things like uh, a, a thrift store challenge, dollar store challenge, recently did some some stuff like with regards to Amazon. Maybe before we dive right into this, describe the, the thrift store challenge, because that one was was absolutely brilliant, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. So it's been a while, but if I remember right, we had $20, I think is what it was. And $20 had to buy not just your gear, but also your clothing to survive a 48-hour period in in the woods. And this was, was it wintertime? It was cold. It wasn't, I don't know if it was, it might have been fall time. Um, So the temperatures got down fairly low. It rained a lot, but you had 20 bucks to buy everything that you needed to not die. (laughs)
0: <laughs> was, and what did you end up sleeping under in the rain
1: an umbrella that was the yeah. best i could come up with yeah so i, <laughs> I slept up literally in the fetal position underneath an umbrella while it rained all night long temperatures were probably like in the 40s i think is what it was if i remember right yeah. um not, not ideal but hey an umbrella it was i think i spent two dollars on it and it uh it kept me dry
0: the uh just before we move on so there was one one of your buddies in that uh fairly big guy with a beard that kind of kicked butt he had had yeah. like all the ultimate stuff
1: yeah he cheated
0: Did he? <laughs> uh, he, yeah. i mean he, he had shelter everything right
1: no he he went to a thrift shop that was like going out of business or something or i don't remember what it was but they were getting rid of all everything and they were just just basically Just take it. (laughs) Essentially, they were paying him to take stuff away. So he was getting stuff for, you know, 10 cents, a quarter. And normally it would cost $10, but they were just trying to get rid of everything. He had everything from flares to tarps. And he even had a camp chair. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he got hooked up.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was a great video. My recollection is is it was late fall. I think that yeah summer, maybe Thanksgiving time frame or whatever. that was a really good video. And again, you did one recently on Amazon. um you know, could could you pr- prep on a budget by buying stuff off of Amazon and why don't you share your conclusions on that?
1: Yeah, so so yes, so i I basically tried to build a survival kit on a hundred dollars shopping online, just just using Amazon. And basically what my conclusion is, is that it can be done, but you're going to sacrifice a lot. I think most people just don't understand how much good quality stuff costs. So they'll look at some prefabricated survival kit that's really expensive, maybe maybe $1,000, maybe more. Um, and it's a quality kit. And they'll look at it and be like, that's ridiculous. I could build that kit for less. Chances are you probably can't. <laughs> that's That's right. what I'm getting at. So, if it's a really quality kit that's that's composed of quality components, you're going to pay for it. It's going to be expensive. Um, if you buy one of those budget kits that's under a hundred dollars and it's got everything you need to survive and all the doodads, and cra- it's probably filled full of junk that's going to fail when you need it the most. It's going to be one-time use at most. At most, chances are a lot of that stuff's just going to fall off part the first time you take it out of the package. So. Um, But for $100, you can buy the essentials, the absolute bare bones essentials that would get you through a tight spot. But that's pretty much it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So you've heard me say it before. You can't buy a Cadillac for the price of a Chev. No. I, I think, you know, one of the things that as a country that we're facing right now is, is. There's a difference between the consumer price index and core inflation rate. Core inflation rate was created by politicians to obfuscate the real inflation number, right? So core inflation rate doesn't include the the three biggest things that consume people's income. So housing, food, and fuel for their vehicles, or fuel for heating, whatever the case may be. So that's included in the CPI, the, the consumer price index fact of the matter is is that people's disposable income is at record lows and credit card debt is at record highs. So there's a there's a legit purpose to try to put together you know survival prepping gear on a budget uh, and it's applicable to a pretty pretty large audience unfortunately. Um, so you know in addition to Amazon, I mean, there are some other online options that people can look into. I'm not a social media guy, but I hear people frequently discussing marketplace. So, you, you know, maybe that's somewhere viable. My, my wife seems to think that, and she knows the stuff pretty good, that the stuff on marketplace is actually higher than going to, like, say, a garage sale. And so a garage sale might be a better place to go and scoop stuff up. She, she feels that garage sales, you know, is typically people blowing stuff out, like get this clutter out of my house sort of thing. Whereas marketplace might be a little bit more for used stuff. Um, She's had a very successful eBay store for about 20 years now, and she's not doing it anymore because of this requirement to report uh, anything over $600 in sales for the entire year. You know, and I agree with her. Her position is: I worked hard to earn my money that I paid income tax on. Yeah. And then I went and bought these goods that I paid sales tax on, and n- now I'm getting rid of these used goods. And you want me to pay more income tax on the money and not doing it? You know? Yeah. Sort That's, of thing.
1: I 100 I, I agree with that. It's infuriating. You get your dollar gets taxed five times before before it's all completely gone. It's yeah. infuriating.
0: Yeah, no, I no, don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because <laughs> the purpose of today really is is prepping on a budget. But, you know, the IRS and income tax was created, I think it was 1914. It was 3%, it was a flat rate tax, and it was intended to fund the war efforts for World War I. Um, so it might have been 1915, 16, 17, whatever, but it was in that time frame, And here we are today with this, you know, massive tax burden that we have. So, that being said there there's clearly a you know there there's a need and a demand you know for people to be able to buy stuff that are on a budget and at, at the end of the day so i was on brave tv you know yesterday like i am every week and and this topic came up and it especially came up with regards to people in urban environments you know that they they have nowhere to bug out to escape to you know, where should they be spending their their budget? And I think that the first two things from a prepping perspective would be either water or a way to purify water and food. And, you know, um, beyond that, you can get into things like, you know, gear, security, all the other stuff. But you got to have food and water right. and shelter. Yeah. Right? So what, what's, your, what's your, let's talk about that first. Like what's your advice as far as the the basic necessities, you know, how can people prep on a budget there?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's, that's good. So prioritize what you need to prep, right? That's probably step one. Um, where do you live? What's the most likely thing that you need to be prepared for? You know, if you live in our uh, South Florida, My guess, the most likely thing that you're going to to be prepared for is a hurricane, right? That's the most likely disaster scenario, the SHTF that's going to happen to you. You're going to be without power, flooding, all the chaos that goes on because of a big storm. So you need to be prepared for that. Um, If you live in Tornado Alley, be prepared for tornadoes, have some sort of shelter set up so you can get away from those giant crazy storms, Um, earthquakes, all that kind of stuff. So, so, yeah, prioritize based on where you live and what the most likely. Um, not the most, you know, uh, not the most advertised on movies and zombie apocalypses and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, you can live in the fantasy world all you want. But in reality, it's probably going to be more something along the lines of a natural disaster or, you know, maybe even an individual disaster where you get in a car crash and your legs broke and you can't work and that kind of stuff. So these are the things that I that you should prioritize and be prepared for. Um, so going down my list, probably first and foremost, I would say water is a big one. Um, regardless of the situation, uh, disaster, whatever it is, water is going to be a problem. So if you live in a city, you are, generally speaking, 100% reliant upon the water that flows into your your pipes from a city's municipal water supply. Um, and if that should go down, for whatever reason, you need to have some sort of backup. So a way to store water. Storing water is not easy. It's it's a difficult thing to do, especially if you're a, a city dweller. But there's definitely ways to do it.
0: Um so what, what what that is, big what,
1: water bag thing? Remember that?
0: yeah what was what's the name of the the liners that you put in your bathtub for some reason i I keep forgetting yeah. the name of them
1: yeah that, that's what I'm getting at yeah there's there, yeah there's big um water bladders that you can you can fill up with water you can if you know that something's going down you can go ahead and fill like you see the storm coming go ahead and fill that bathtub bladder thing up with the water right now so you can have it collected and you have plenty of water that'll get you through at least the short term
0: um so I've, but uh, yeah, go I, ahead. I just want to add a quick comment here so you know we've been through countless hurricanes here in florida and uh, when hurricane michael hit us uh, we had a sewer main and a water main burst beside each other and there was no water for three weeks in ormond beach and as painful as it is to be uh, ex- you know have no air conditioning because the grid's down during hurricane season having no water is an order of magnitude worse Oh, yeah. So you know, you frequently hear people say you need one gallon of water per person per day, sort of thing. Well, you know that's that's the bare minimum for drinking and food prep and so on and so forth. But when you don't have municipal water, how do you flush your toilet? How do you yep. how do you how do you stay clean? How do you 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 know clean your dishes, so on and so forth? It's a really really big deal. So. Mm-hmm having those bladders that you put in a bathtub is a is an economical option to it's better to have that water there and the the municipal water doesn't fail than it is to not have it there it fails you get some drinking water but you can't do any of these other things and what if you live in an apartment building it's not like you can go outside and dig a latrine or something
1: yeah 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 you're going to be limited for sure so i mean if yeah if you live in a rural area and you've got your own well and stuff like that and a creek running through your property and you got all this kind of stuff, you've got more options. But if you don't have all those options, you got to figure out ways that you can potentially store water for at least the short term. And then beyond that, you longer term, let's say the power's out for even longer and you, the water's still not flowing. What do you do? Having ways to collect per, perhaps rainwater. Um, also very inexpensive ways to set up rainwater. I mean, you can literally build a rainwater collection system for under a hundred bucks for sure. Like no doubt in my mind, just some a trip to Home Depot pretty much, and you could get all this stuff done. So, uh, rainwater collection is good one. Ways to purify your water, having filtration, all that stuff, is probably I would say, if not if it's not number one, it's really high on that list. Is just having a way to get yourself a drink of water.
0: Yeah, I, I think that on that that's a topic that hits close to home for me. Is that uh, whatever you choose, so water purification slash filtration is a pretty complex subject. It's actually a very complex subject. So filtering is just a matter of taking particulates out, but purifying, you're taking contaminants out, which is a whole new kettle of fish. And, you know, our national water supply in municipalities is poisoned almost across the board. So these forever chemicals, PFAS chemicals that they're called, so I just throw an air caution out there to choose wisely when it comes to water purification and make sure that it goes beyond a simple charcoal filter that will take out, you know, maybe bacteria. It's, it has to, you know, one, you got to be able to filter it. So that's taking the solid stuff out, you know, the turbidity of the water, but two, how are you making it, it potable potable, however you want to pronounce it. Um, and having an eye towards PFAS chemicals, somewhere around fifty percent of private wells that have been tested in the country also have PFAS chemicals in them, and it's from runoff from chemicals used on farmers' fields, uh, you know, industrial plants, so on and so forth. Um, we've got we've we've lost uh, one dog in the past few years to cancer. We have two two dogs right now that have cancer. The only thing they have in common is the water supply in Ormond Beach. Uh, they're required by the EPA to release their w- water purification reports every quarter. Nothing's been released since 2021, and I've been hounding them. I want those results. The results from 2019, depending on which chemical you're looking at, are in the order of three to 400 times the safe levels. Oh, this. wow. Yeah. It's obscene. So I, again, I don't mean to get off on a a tangent here, but it's something that hits very close to home is, is if you're storing water, make sure that it's in food grade plastic or it's in metal number one, so that it's not drawing chemicals out because PFAS chemicals are in everything. That's a whole other, you know, podcast, but make sure you're storing it safely. Like you mentioned, uh, would be wise to have, um, the pool, uh, chlorine that's in solid form because it, it has an indefinite shelf life. Pool whereas, shock. Yeah. Pool shock. Exactly. Whereas the water or the liquid based stuff has a, a finite lifespan. I've heard people say that, you know, like liquid bleach, uh, loses most of its efficacy six months after it's opened or something like that. Whereas the, the pool shock, very small amount, you know, can help, uh, get rid of viruses and bacteria in your water doesn't taste great like,
1: yeah but like you mentioned like that's just one part of it you know people always think like oh i could just boil the water and make it safe like okay you can kill the bacteria that's in the water by boiling it but you're not going to get rid of all the nasty chemicals and stuff that are potentially in there and if it's at 300 times the 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 acceptable rate in the best of times, do you think it's going to get improve when the hurricane comes through and there's flooding everywhere and all the runoff from the golf course and stuff
0: like that? (laughs) Well, we have, we have family around Rock, Texas and, uh, the latest water report from them shows, uh, I think it was 15 forever chemicals, PFAS chemicals. And many of them are a thousand plus times the safe limit. So It's a it's a big deal, but we can move on. Suffice it to say, rule of three, right? About three days without water, and you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on from water, water is a big one. Um, all right. So here's so we're talking about priorities. Next on that list, I you know the order of these I guess could be mixed around depending on what what your situation is. But food, right? I think having some sort of food storage is a big one, and a lot of people shy away from this because food is expensive. However. Food is as cheap and as easy – it's as easy as it's ever going to get to, right now. It's it's so easy to go to the store. It's much easier to go to the store and buy some dried rice and beans than it is to try to grow all this stuff yourself. It's much more – it's much less expensive to do that right now. Not forever, but right now it is. Um, so having food stores I think is really, really high on the list, and a lot of people look at it like it's really expensive and it, I don't have the extra funds to do that but what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're trying to think I got to have it all right now um and if you're on a budget that's overwhelming so what i would suggest is that you do just a little at a time just a little bit of time every time you go grocery shopping and you buy a can of beans whatever it doesn't doesn't matter what it is a can of beans grab two cans of beans you know and then put one one aside for for safekeeping and this as long as we're doing that every time that we we go and we're cycling through this stuff we can eventually accumulate a pretty good pantry of of food that can be there for us. If, you know, suddenly the grocery stores aren't available anymore.
0: Yeah. I would make two points on this. So, you know, I already mentioned the consumer price index. So right now, depending on whose numbers you want to believe uh, food inflation is somewhere in the range of 20 to 25%. So what else can you put your money into and get a 20, 25% return per annum? Uh, Mm I can't think of too many things, right? So the other part to it is that when you invest a little bit of money or a little bit of your disposable income in food, it's not like you're betting on a horse that may or may not come in. You're eventually going to eat that food. So so it's money well spent. And like you said, now is, is really the time. I mean, we're looking at some probably extreme changes in global food supply here imminently. So we've got these huge floods in China that is impacted their ability to grow rice and feed, you know, over a billion people. So they've now uh, forbade the export of rice from China. So India, which is now largest country in the world has also done the same thing. So I think it's one family, Basmati, anything other than Basmati rice, uh, you can't export from India anymore because they're trying to protect their supply to feed their people. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, if if we don't have rice in large quantities, and then we also have countries right now placing embargoes on wheat products, uh, those are two staples of most Americans' diets, and so it's simple economics: supply goes down, demand stays the same or rises, prices go up with it. So, absolutely, now is the time. Ease of use, return on investment, and just accessibility. Yeah,
1: know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't don't wait but don't freak out either and think that you got to spend your all of your life savings on it right now. So <laughs> assuming you have a life savings. But yeah, if, right. if you're on a budget just slowly start accumulating the stuff. Um, I would, you know, it's a big deal. I mean it's it's like a insurance policy for your stomach, right? Uh I mean everybody has car insurance and home insurance and all that stuff, but a lot of people don't put an insurance policy where it really really matters. You're not going to go you're not going to last long and you're going to be very miserable without something to eat. So I think it's, I think it's a big deal to um, put that high on the priority list. I mean, that, look at this, like here's, here's a point. So a lot of guys, especially guys, will go out and spend a thousand dollars, $2,000 on a new rifle, right? They'll mm-hmm. go they'll go blow money on a new rifle at, at any day of the week and they, and they love it and they get excited about it, but they don't have any food storage whatsoever, i mean in reality what's more important having that food so you can feed yourself and your family or having another shiny rifle how many rifles can you shoot at one time you know what i mean so so prioritizing what's important i think is uh is a big one it's easier said than done i get it we all like to have the new shiny thing it gets us excited but it's not it's not what really matters
0: well yeah and anecdotally um you know we're You know, whether we're aware of it or not, we're constantly surrounded by evil. And, you know, we've seen multiple comments on our videos in particular from people saying, I'm not prepping, I'm not storing stuff. I'm going to take whatever I want by gun. Yeah. If if we end up in an SHTF situation. And some of that is just bluster. You know, it's Mm. just, you know, keyboard warriors. But some of that is a legitimate threat. I mean, right you never we're never more than three missed meals away from anarchy right so hungry people will do extreme things oh and, yeah and uh you know so the I, I just think it's a very sad statement on mankind to be honest with you
1: yeah i i would agree with that uh, exactly as soon as tough times come they're already planning to be already planning to be the villain <laughs> before right. before time yeah that's crazy to me now now don't get me wrong i think defending yourself and having means of self defense is super important. What I mean Agreed. is like how many AR-15s can you shoot at one time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've shot two at one time and it's a good it's a really fun time, but maybe not that- <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so um I guess we can move on So food. I think is super crucial stocking up a little bit at a time. I think that's a big deal. Um having places to put these these items is is difficult especially if you're in an urban setting and you, let's say you live in an apartment, that kind of thing that you're going to, you're going to run out of room to store these types of things. And that's, that's tricky. And that's just where you got to be creative. Um, so, you know, storing five gallon buckets underneath your bed, uh, like replacing your box springs with five gallon buckets of food is one method of doing that. Um, having uh, uh, storage somewhere else, like a, like renting an inexpensive uh, storage unit. Those are options. Again, it's costly. That it, it adds expenses. I understand, but what? But, but what are your priorities? So, having some food stored, I think, is important. But if we can move on, we'll. Um, I think shelter is probably next on that list, and shelter is a big one. So, where you live, um, if let's say you let's say let's start with a, a home. Let's say you own your own home and you're in your house and you're on a budget. You know, all these things cost money, but but it's much less expensive to maintain a home than it is to try to replace it (laughs) so so if you're you know your roof is got a leaky you got a leaky roof get that thing fixed immediately because if you let that problem persist it's going to end up causing wood rot and you're going to get you know carpenter ants and termites and mold in your house and then all these things compile because of one small little problem that you could have fixed for a fairly inexpensive relatively inexpensive amount so maintaining your home and and staying on top of that is a is a big one
0: yeah uh, good advice especially here in the southeast especially in florida here it's the mold capital of the world and you know mold has serious consequences for people's health, and you know, our friend Dr. Jason Dean at Brave TV, one of the things he specializes in is is getting uh, mold toxicity under control for people. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so, you know, we we come from a construction background as well, and my wife was managing a large project in Sarasota where she remodeled 200 apartments condos and uh they were built in the 60s and were you know incredibly infested with mold and she got very very sick from it yeah um it's funny because you and i could smell it a mile away because we don't live in moldy conditions but the people who live in it it's like frogs being boiled in water and they would make comments to my wife you know she was the general contractor saying things like you know I don't know what's going on, but uh, you know, I'm, 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 I have this ailment, you know, this physical limitation or whatever. And it's almost like a, a laundry list of all the side effects of mold. So no question that, you know, you have to maintain your shelter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it just, I mean, it seems like a lot of these things, it gets overwhelming sometimes I know. Cause I'm, I'm a homeowner, right? I mean, it gets overwhelming sometimes. The laundry list of things that needs to be addressed, you know, all all the stuff, you know, leaky gutters and whatever, Uh, all the things. I get it, I I understand. (laughs) But but by by slowly chipping away at this stuff and just staying on top of it, you're going to end up saving money in the long run. So that's that's my advice as far as shelter goes. Just Uh, just
0: a quick uh, uh, funny here is that years ago somebody said to me. I don't care if you have a mortgage on your property or not. There's no such thing as a home owner. We're all home owners. Yeah. (laughs) For all the reasons that you just voiced. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're, you're a slave to your home from here on out. That's just the way it is. But, um, all right. So let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to my next notes. Again, this is kind of random notes I've got going on here. Um, okay. So some things, um, require time but don't require your actual money so you're not investing the dinero in there but you're but you have to invest time into it and and high on my list and i just did a video on this is investing in people your friends your your community it doesn't cost you really any money to do this but you but if you don't put the time into it to develop these relationships around you you're not going to be able to count on those people when you really need them
0: yeah, I mean, I, I the concept of being a lone, war, lone wolf, per me, and surviving in a post-S HTF world is, the odds go way down.
1: Way down. Yeah, I mean, you know, sprain your ankle, whatever, break your leg all by yourself, <laughs> sitting on your mountain of beans, like, you're going to be in trouble, you get sick, you know, you, whatever, you need an extra pair of hands to fix a thing on your house, uh, you just can't possibly do it by yourself for whatever reason um having people that you can count on is is a big deal and not just not just like physically but like emotionally having people around you that you can count on man it gives you a big boost i mean doing something i mean i you know like if you ever tried to do something really really difficult or challenging by yourself and then imagine how much better it would have been if you just had one buddy there with you to say hey man we got this we can do it we're going to make it through this thing and that's that's a big deal that i think a, pe- a lot of people underestimate just having people in your life that you can count on, um, is, is a big one. So, um, but yeah, so
0: I would, I would add to that, that, you know, you, you know, my position on social media and all that crap that I, I don't like it. And I feel that it's caused tremendous damage to our society, but you know, at my age, mid fifties, I can remember growing up, you know, living in the country and everybody on our road knew each other it was a 20 mile long road with five ranches on it we were out in the sticks and we did rely on each other you know so if somebody's fence went down cattle got loose everybody helped sort of thing yeah that's not the case that's just not the case today
1: yeah those were real relationships your your facebook friends are not really your friends i mean maybe a couple of them actually are but But, you know, all those, you know, I mean, even me, like, you know, we've got, I don't know how many subscribers we have now, 300 and something, 25,000, something like that. I I like, I think of us as kind of a community, but, but those people aren't my friends. I mean, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to call on any of them at any given time and they're going to show up to come help me out. That's just not, they're not, it's not a real relationship unless you see them face to face and you can shake their hand and go help them fix their fence or whatever. You, You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, well, I think some of the societal rot that I'm, you know, getting at here as well is that people aren't connected to their neighbors like they were at one point in time. You know, they're yeah. with, they're withdrawn into their own little world, and we've got things afoot like the metaverse for, you know, virtual reality, <laughs> augmented reality that's only going to exacerbate yeah. that that condition.
1: Outside, I got but, I was at uh, I was at my brother in law's neighborhood um down in a more urban area closer to atlanta last weekend i guess it was can you look outside no one no one goes outside ever like okay it's just people people drive home into their garage they get out they go inside and they when they leave they get back in their car and drive out it's like no one ever sees each other outside it's weird
0: (laughs) yeah they don't they don't wave at each other they don't talk to each other yeah so you know building that close-knit community or network of, of people is harder today than it's ever been in the past yeah. Uh, because of these things and you know but off the top of my head I mean we belong to a small country church you know in, in BFE Florida and it, it the church was uh, started in 1883 Um, I don't know we might have about 40 members in that church yeah. and almost everybody knows each other to to the level of relationship that you're describing and you know i i'm i'm not i'm a you know a christian but i'm not a holy roller i don't preach to people and stuff like that it's mm-hmm. a, i feel that's a personal decision that they can make on their own but there's a lot of value to being part of you know a, a church or some other group that that brings people together
1: absolutely yeah a- agreed um you know- along not to get off too far off topic but yeah a lot of those like prepper groups that are out there you know you can you know there's a bunch of them and they they almost always fail in my experience it's because the in the motivation behind joining these prepper groups is is self um it's it's self-driven so you're 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 looking to get something out of the group but you're not looking to put anything into the group. So if if that's your motive going into these relationships is to get something out of it, it's going to fail. But if you go into these relationships with the desire to help other people and to ensure that other people are well taken care of, and you do that, then undoubtedly that you will receive in return, but don't, if that's your main motivation, it's, it's going to fail.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I- You're, you know, speaking towards mags, mutual assistance groups, and I'm not a big fan of them, uh, simply based on the fact that whenever you get groups of people together, you know, survival teams are seven and less people for a reason. Once you get past seven people, you invariably end up with too many chiefs, not enough Indians, discord, factions, you get lazy people who don't do anything, and then you get people who do all the work and their expectations aren't met. And it, it's just a vicious circle. And I've I've watched a number of, of videos on mags, for example, and almost every single one it has devolved into politics and you know that kind of stuff. I I think that uh, you, you're better off, like you said, you know, something that's in your community where it's not what can I get out of this, but what can I contribute towards this group?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that is the way to go. In my experience, that does so much more for you than than just searching for something I can get out of it. If you're going to it, if you talked about church, if you're a church member and you're going to church and you're just going every Sunday and you're listening to the service and then you leave and go home, but you never put anything into it. You're not going to get much out of it. That's just that's just my two cents. But anyway, so moving on. So they um, some things that require your time, but not money. Right. So you can. I mean, obviously, time is valuable. I get that. But, but a lot of people don't have a lot of funds, but they still have some time to invest in things. So uh, skills, um, you can you can gain new skills, gain new knowledge, um, learn how to fix things, repair your vehicles, uh, learn how to build structures, you know, that kind of stuff, be a basic handyman kind of thing. These types of things don't cost a lot of money, but they require time to, to invest. And they can be really, really valuable in an SHTF type situation. Um, and then your, your personal health and fitness. That's also something that doesn't require a lot of money, but a lot of time and energy invested into it. And that's, those health and fitness, if you're not investing in that, uh, a lot of it, pretty much everything else, is just not really going to be worth your time. You can have all the stuff, the guns and ammo and food that you can sit on, but if you're, you know, decrepit and uh, about to keel over from a heart attack at any given moment because you've neglected health and fitness, you're probably missing the missing the boat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I throw in a, a a quick shameless plug here for Survival Dispatch. So we're we're getting ready to launch Survival Dispatch Insider memberships. And one of the values is something that nobody else has done, which is to create a network of individuals across the country who've passed a background check that doesn't come to us. All we need is proof that the person is not a, a criminal or a registered sex offender so that if you're somewhere away from home that you have resources you can call on. Just like you mentioned, various levels of SHTF, you could be in the middle of nowhere and have a flat tire. And for whatever reason, there's no AAA service or something along those lines, all the way to a full blown, you know, catastrophe where you have to find some way to get home and your state's away from, from where home base is. But the other thing, the other value add that speaks to the points that you've been discussing right now is, you know, with the help of some experts like yourself and JJ and whatnot, we've created this survival prepper IQ test and it, it it's a test and it's something that you need to set aside at least a half hour plus to, to go through it. That gives you a score. So it will benchmark where you fall on the scale of being a survivalist and a prepper. And let's be honest, being a prepper is the easiest part because it's really about stockpiling. Whereas mm-hmm. being a survivalist is where it's, it's really predicated on what is your skill set look like but you can participate in different things but did you move the needle and so the the survival prepper iq will allow our members the sdi members to go and take the test periodically and say you know for example somebody who's a new prepper let's and they're not don't have survival skills they take the test and they score 20 percent and six months later, after dedicating time, you know, to consume content and gather information, maybe take some either online courses or in-person courses to get skills, they take the test again, and it their score's 31. You yeah. Know? So they move the needle, you know, mm. and uh, I, I think what you're discussing is, is critically important because I hate to, this is an overused adage, but you are your own first responder. So if you don't have the ability to rescue yourself and to defend yourself, like you said, you're probably, you know, not going to last very long if we get into a, you know, apocalyptic situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and don't be afraid, like, be honest, like, if you do take this quiz, like, be honest with yourself and with the test, because, because it does doesn't do you any good if you're, you know, if your pride gets in the way and you say, Oh yeah, I got this, but, but really you don't like, do you really know how to change a tire? Like, can you like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's plenty of grown men out there that have never done it. And listen, it's not, it's, there's no shame in it. You just need to, what's worse is saying, I know how to do something, but you really don't. And then the time comes when you have to do that thing and then you fail. That is bad. No one's, no one worth their salt is going to look down upon you for admitting that you don't know how to do something and and getting advice from someone that does you know, no one like if someone looks down upon you and criticizes you and shames you because you don't know how to do something then that's a douchebag and they don't, you don't need them in your life anyway <laughs> so <laughs> seek out people that are that are willing to help you and if you're willing to admit that you don't know something man oh that's if someone ever came to me and said hey you know I I don't know how to change a tire like I'm I'm a 37 year old man and I don't know how to change a tire could you show me I'd be like dude I got you <laughs> like no problem and I wouldn't tell a soul and 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 then they would they would be I mean they would be leveled up a notch just because they're willing to admit that they don't know how to do something and it's you know the yeah. flat tire a road somewhere that's your SHTF right there. Yeah, yeah,
0: interesting choice of words, you know, without yeah. going deep into it. You know, I had lunch with uh, Lou Holtz many, many years ago, uh, winning his coach in NCAA football history. And he basically said, there's two types of people in this world. There's those people who elevate themselves by elevating everybody around them. And those people who elevate themselves by putting other people down. Yeah, so you know, Uh, you're a shining example of elevating people around you just with the example you just gave as well like you use the word to bring them up right Mm -hmm. um so those people who take pot shots at other people are just very insecure people yeah and uh you know the good news is you have a choice which bucket you're in and you don't have to stay in that shitty bucket you know yeah you you can move to the good bucket if you really want to.
1: yeah that's it um but yeah, I, I guess we can come. On. I mean, I'm pretty passionate about that kind of stuff, so I could probably talk about that all day. But, but in an effort to move on, preparing on a budget, <laughs> what, what we talk about. <laughs> so um, let's see. Uh, loose spending, like we all spend money on crap that we don't need. Um, so you know, if you're, you know, uh, you you make your own decisions in your own life and you do what you want. No, I'm not going to criticize you. But let's say, for example, you just spent, you know. on a vacation to Disney World and you have nothing in your pantry, you have no water supply, you got nothing, no preparations made, you might want to prioritize how you're spending your money. Again, no judgment. You live your life the way that you want. Uh, That's up to you. But perhaps maybe you should just kind of look inwardly and decide – Am I making the most rational, smartest decisions? If if I'm actually concerned about being prepared for whatever events might come my way, and you anticipate hard times, are you really prioritizing your spending in a way that's going to be beneficial for your family?
0: And uh, somebody sent me an article recently that basically said, people who aren't good with money doesn't mean that they're not in- intelligent. Um, it, it's really a behavioral uh, issue. So you have to change your behavior. So instead of spending $3,000 on that vacation, which would be nice. If you have other stuff, that's more important, more pressing, change your behavior. Yeah. Easier said than done. I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, no judgment. I mean, people, you could look at my life and you could tell me what I'm doing wrong and all these things that I'm not prioritizing correctly, whatever. I mean, everybody can do that to everybody else, but what matters is what you're doing with your life and your family. So, right. so there, Um. Yeah, separate separate needs from wants. Uh, So Mm -hmm. just like just like packing a bag. Right. So I I try to travel pretty light when I'm going about and I'm heading out into the woods or whatever for a few days. I I try to travel as light as I can. And the reason I can travel light is because I I separate needs from wants. Right. I have all the need to haves. The need to haves are going in the bag like that's happening. It's going to happen. Those are going and then if I've got extra room, I can look at the want to haves and I can decide which of those things I will allow to go in there and which ones I want to be burdened with carrying. Are they worth carrying? Is it going to make me comfortable? Is it going to make me enjoy the experience more? Whatever. Um, so, yeah, separating needs from wants is a is a big one. So especially when you're talking about preparing on a budget. Um, let's see what else. Yeah. Um, Oh, this is a good one. Um, Investing in quality gear is is a big deal because in the long run, if you invest in something that probably costs a little bit more, but lasts you a lifetime, literally in some cases. You know, if I if I bought a let's say a quality knife, you know, a knife that's going to cost me well over a hundred dollars, that's something I could pass down to my grandkids one day probably, and it's just going to keep working and keep working and keep working. But if I spend the Whatever cheapo. I mean, how many ten dollar knives could you buy and break before you eventually got up to the hundred and fifty dollar mark that you could just bought the nice knife from the beginning. Right. So, <laughs> quality gear, clothing, investing in quality clothing is important too because again, it will last longer, it will wear uh less, um, and it will perform better as opposed to just buying the cheap crap that you can get anywhere. And you're gonna in, in the long term, long term, you end up spending more anyway. Good advice. Yeah. Um, let's see what else Talked about storing water If you live in the city Collecting rainwater All that kind of stuff Most likely SHTF SHTF scenarios Oh, uh, storing food Storing food is a good one So it, uh, you can buy Freeze-dried, prepackaged, Um, ready-to-go food That you can put on a shelf For the next 25 years And not have to worry about it But it's expensive It costs quite a few dollars To do that You can save money If you're on a budget you can save money by doing that stuff yourself. Not necessarily the freeze drying, that that's a fairly costly thing, right. but but if I was to take my rice and beans and store it with oxygen absorbers in Mylar uh bags inside a bucket, so that doesn't cost very much money at all. That's very very inexpensive and it's a lot less costly than than doing the pre-packaged stuff that might be overwhelming to some people on a budget.
0: Yeah, I would also caution people that this is something we've looked into pretty deeply is that a lot of these MREs uh you know uh, freeze-dried foods that are stored for the long term they achieve their calorie you know count by uh, putting copious amounts of sugar in them and you know so that that that's a whole other discussion on the evils of sugar and, and the damage that it does to people's bodies but paying attention to what what's in that food right so You know, for example, white rice, almost exclusively across the board has been, uh, you know, bathed in arsenic and not good for you, right? Um, So there are certain types of rice that are better than others. And the fact of the matter is, is that what you're discussing, like these pre-built, you know, MREs and whatnot, most of them, if not all of them are processed foods that are full of all kinds of crap that'll kill you. Um, Yeah and crap is not good for you. And there are options out there, you know, for food that has a long shelf life, dehydrated food that's got a 25-year shelf life, but isn't going to kill you. And so it would behoove people when they're stockpiling food to look at the label. And if you don't know what the ingredients are and you can't pronounce them, you probably shouldn't put it in your body as yeah. a simple rule of thumb.
1: That's a pretty simple rule. That's yeah. pretty easy to a live by <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah agreed De- definitely eating quality foods regardless of if it's good times or bad times having healthy food to put in your body is going to make you function better you're gonna be less sick uh, more capable okay. of problems yeah garbage
0: in, garbage in garbage out
1: yeah that's it man um oh uh, yeah and then along that same thing of health right medications that's a big one mm. um and you recently did a video on several things on medications and stockpiling them and and having those available stockpiling medications can be really expensive um, but there's definitely alternatives to that and you can touch on that but but my big thing is is if possible if at all possible i understand i get that there's some medications that you have to be on or you will legitimately die like i i get it i totally understand and there's some things that you were born with and you've got to cope with those things i get it but I would say for the majority of people out there, there are, they are on a ton of medications that are not required if they made healthy lifestyle changes. I get it. So much easier said than done, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody or accusing anyone of anything. But if you look, at, take a look at yourself and you decide, hey, like, do I really need this medication or could I possibly just make a lifestyle change that would prevent me from having to take this thing the rest of my life?
0: Yeah. I mean, Western medicine clearly has a, uh, you know, a role in acute conditions, you know, like you've been in a some sort of, you know, wreck, you're grievously yeah. injured. makes a lot of sense to use uh, Western medicine in those cases for chronic long, long-term stuff. There are plenty of instances where somebody is taking the easy way out by taking that med. But as you know, Every med that you take brings a whole host of other problems, and then you're usually chasing that down with another med, and it, and it, it spirals out of control, right? So you are what you eat at the end of the day. Um, there are uh, many ways. So, for example, uh, if you produce no good cholesterol and your triglycerides and bad cholesterol is off the chart, you can almost always fix that by changing your diet, you know? Uh-huh. And introducing, you know, things like a Mediterranean diet and whatnot. And there's the the problem on the food side is that there is an absolute ton of misinformation out there because of of greedy food producers. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember during the 1980s when fat was declared enemy number one. Got to take fat out of your body. Well, here's the deal. If you take fat out of food, it tastes like shit. So what do they do? this was all by design you put sugar in it and when you put sugar in food it's processed the same way as cocaine it lights up the cerebral cortex the same way as cocaine it causes massive addictions it causes issues with your blood sugar levels which in turn wreaks havoc on your body storing fat you know so when you have a high sugar content diet your body is a fat absorption machine and in reality, you know, the, the simplest way to, to broach the subject with somebody is to say, so look at native Americans before we came here, Were that, were they fat and out of shape? No, they were, they were lean and yet 50 plus percent of their diet was fat. Fat mm-hmm. is not the enemy, you know, trans, yeah. you know, saturated fats, made, but, but fats like from animals and avocados and so on and so forth. Uh, it's a great staple. And it's these high glycemic value carbohydrates that have caused this, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, explosion of obese and overweight people with all these health problems that they then in turn need to take the meds. So it's exactly what you said, you know, stop (laughs) eating a shit diet that's full of sugar and chemicals. Mm -hmm. And guess what? You can get off those meds. And when you get off one med, it's probably going to cascade into other meds that are masking the the side effects of the first med, you know.
1: I know it's easier said than done. I get it. Um, I, it's it's really difficult to make lifestyle changes and changes Very. to your diet. But if you're talking about money and you're complaining about your budget or whatever that you don't have the money to prepare, but you're spending all this money on medications that you could get off of. I mean, you don't. I mean, I'm not trying to judge anybody, but you don't have a lot of room to complain about money if you're if you could make some positive changes and, and get off some of that stuff.
0: Well, let me throw out an interesting number. At, at the end of World War II, fifty percent of Americans got their food from their own garden. What do you wow. think? What do you think that number is today? One percent. Just uh, just under one percent. Good good guess <laughs> on your part. Uh, you know. So, and we've discussed this on other you know uh, videos and whatnot. Uh, if you think you're going to buy seeds and the shit's gonna hit the fan and all of a sudden you're gonna be you know the green thumb it, it doesn't work out that way no. um it's difficult uh the world will try to kill your crops you know the critters will eat them and the bugs yeah. will eat them and it, it's not an easy thing to do but uh
1: yeah garden, you know. the garden, battle dome you're gonna you got to you got to stand out there with a pitchfork ready
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much but p- point <laughs> being is that if, you know, if cost is a true issue and you have the ability to start a garden, yeah. you can save a huge amount of money. And as long as you buy heirloom seeds, not the genetically modified seeds, you know what you're eating is healthy, as long as the water that you're putting on them isn't contaminated with all these forever chemicals and and so on and so forth. But, you know, we have, a, we have this just on the subject, we have this small um, countertop composter and inside of 20 minutes you know my wife all day she'll put stuff in it it could be you know uh banana peels you know whatever that's left over from from table scraps turn it on walk away come back 20 minutes later you've got this super nutrient dense compost we did an experiment where she started putting it on you know plants you know say on the left side of our garden and not on the right side and in virtually no time we're talking inside of a week the difference between the two was just it was mind-blowing so oh, I'll
1: check that out because we currently just put we do the same thing we put our table scraps and stuff and a little container next to the sink and and then we go throw it in a hole a compost hole out there but what you're talking about sounds more efficient I might uh might have to look into that
0: they're they're really neat uh device and you know my wife is the the consummate uh i don't know what the right word is but um she's a big we're not tree huggers by any stretch of the imagination at all um but i'll like
1: kill at least one tree a day
0: <laughs> right <laughs> uh, we we do believe in like uh, uh, trying to be as self-sustaining uh, as possible put sure. it that
1: way. yeah yeah right on um yeah man but that's that's pretty much the extent of my notes for the most part uh, of what I have to say about prepping on a budget.
0: Yeah lot, lots of good advice in there Jason really appreciate that and uh, I'd remind people who if this is the first time that you've heard of Survival Dispatch uh check out our our YouTube channel. Uh Jason has all kinds of videos on this subject and other subjects really valuable information. Um Jason, you know, we'll have you back on the podcast uh, soon because we touched on a whole bunch of other subjects that we could go in depth on. Like you said, would we'll be in an entire show, but uh, any parting words before we wrap up?
1: No, nope, nothing, nothing wise to say. Just don't be afraid. Don't live your life in fear. Be prepared, but don't be yep.
0: afraid. Fair enough. All right. Appreciate your time, Jason. Thank you.
1: Yep. Thank you.